Welcome, friends, to the 10th anniversary reading of my book I wrote called Ride On, a motorcycle journey to awaken the soul and rediscover its maker. I for some time wanted to make an audio version of this, and that time is now. So I'll be releasing a chapter at a time on my Small Town Wanderer podcast and welcome you to join me on this journey. To create some authenticity, I'll be reading straight from the book. I won't be doing much editing if I screw up a word or if I completely change a sentence. I want you to feel like you're here in the room with me. Besides the poem, thanks to Michael Corporal that I read at the beginning of each chapter and the music thanks to Nate Shepard, these are all my words and my doing. And I'm fully copyrighted, so don't steal it. But feel free to share it with a friend. Or buy a Kindle version or the softcover version on Amazon. It's just a way to say thanks for making this recording available. Until we meet, ride on. Directly. Our beauty is not defined by our mold. Our beauty is defined by our soul. Chapter 3. Meters under my feet, top end and clutch. The year before, I got permission to be an official motorcyclist for my mom and my wife. An intern came to Washington from Perth, Australia to work with me at my church. Micah. He embodied every stereotype I had of a biker. Lots of tattoos huge earrings, attitude, and he even knows the metric measuring system. The Australian accent was just a bonus to make him the quintessential poster boy for some outlaw motorcycle gang. He got to the States in January, and the first real conversation I had with him were about how he wanted to get more tattoos and how he was going to get a motorcycle. Oh, dear God, what did I get myself into? This could be a long year for me when was all I could think about because I had never worked with anyone like Micah. Up until this time, I believe that loving Jesus and riding a motorcycle could not ever go together. It was like mm, chocolate-covered pickles, peanut butter with mayonnaise, or bacon with, well, well, everything is better with bacon, so that doesn't count. But you get the point. Throw in the tats and I had some serious discipleship to do this year. For the first several months of our internship, Micah would let me know where he was in his cycle shopping. Of course, I had no clue what he was talking about, so I just nodded with my head and said profound things like, uh, does, it, does it have good tires? And how will it handle when it's raining? Are, are you sure you want to do this? Or what would your mother say? I made this mistake once of bringing him over for lunch with my mother, and she immediately said no to his motorcycle dreams. She couldn't even reconcile in her own brain the mixing of tattoos and motorcycles with a Christian either. Well, spring rolled around, the sun started to stay out longer during the day, and the rain stopped its continual northwest flow. It was at this moment I saw the look in his eyes. A look I would later understand, but at this point in my maturation process, it was indescribable. He was a hunter out in the field, tracking a 800-pound moose. He was an author intently hooked uh, to find that key word. He was a track star zoned in on the finish line rhythm. He would not be deterred. He was a biker in rut for his bike. Then the day came when he took a 180-degree turn from the normal routine and went to the south part of Seattle with him. He had been watching Craigslist for some time and was ready to pounce on a bike. Micah needed me to drive him, which was a tough decision for me, 
Would I be abating and uh, aiding to a future motorcycle gang member? Would I be uh, condoning his defiance of his mother and mine? Would I need to get another intern because he just crashed? I was at a crossroads, but I reckoned that if he crashed on the road, I would feel guilty if I was not there to call 911. So we drove off in silence. I kept that at any moment his mother would call and the whole gig would be up. When we arrived, we met the owner of the bike. Uh, he was a she. I don't know why, but I never thought girls rode motorcycles. I'd seen them sit on the back, but I guess I never knew of any girls that rode. Another uh, type cast dissolved in my mind while she gave Micah a rundown of her bike and why she was selling it. She described it as a naked bike with a quarter throttle. It was used for stunts and was very fast. They were not using words I understood, nor had I ever heard it come from a human's mouth. I guess I was there to make sure these renegades didn't steal my friend's money. Micah loved it, dropped 20 Benjamins down like they were burning his hand. He wanted my blessing to buy the bike, which I could not give. I knew nothing about motorcycles, and from my vantage point, this was just plain old ugly. My ignorance and lack of approval did not deter him from leaving that house on his crotch rocket. Off we went, but this time he was riding in front of me. It was a pretty tense drive for me. Mike was breaking a few speeding laws. I prayed, Lord Jesus and Mrs. Boots, forgive me, for I know not what he did. For the next several months, I found myself questioning why he was riding with flip-flops and shorts. I questioned his sanity riding in the rain. I would find any excuse to pick him up in the car because I did not want him to ride that bike. I shook my head whenever he would rock up. Throughout that summer, I joked with him that I was going to take his bike out for a spin. And spin I did, as I cut my teeth as a rider on that bike. I sat on it and experienced the sun on my back and cool breeze on my face. It was on that bike that I logged my first meters. Most foreign motorcycles use the metric system, so in that spirit, I said, I got meters under my belt. Meters, as in the Mila kind. Now, if you're confused, let me remind you of grade school lesson you had. Meters are the base unit of the metric system. Most of the world uses this system for measurement. Now, when you put a prefix on the word meter, you make the unit length bigger or smaller. You get a new measurement like a decameter or centimeter. When you put a prefix milla in front of the meter, you get the word millimeter, which is one one thousandth of a meter. Now, that's the width of a, basically a skinny side of a fingernail. Well, one warm day, Micah rocked up outside my house and I declared that it was the day I would ride his bike around the loop. If I was a betting man, there would have been money on the table that he wouldn't even let me on his motorcycle. Asking to ride another man's motorcycle, uh, I would find out to be a major mistake. You never touched another bike and never asked to really ride it. They volunteered to let you do either, but you just don't ask. I thought it would sound really cool to ask, me wanting to be a biker and all, and he would just say, no, this would be a win-win. Micah thinks I'm cool, and I act cool. I obtain some street cred, and we would be on our daily routine. But the problem is that he said yes. I thought I was being cool, and he called my bluff. I would sit on a real motorcycle for the first time in my life. Yay, mate. This girl has a quarter throttle, so be careful, Mike instructed first. I still had no idea what that meant and didn't want to sound stupid, so I did what every guy would do. 
I nodded my head. Well, why don't you walk me through where everything is on your bike, I replied. I must pause in my story to give you a wannabe motorcyclist out there a piece of advice so you don't sound stupid like I just did. Learn from others' mistakes. Never ask, why do you tell me where everything is on your bike? You ask someone uh, where you go in their house, where you go to the bathroom. You might say to a person on a busy street corner that you have never visited, do you know where the closest coffee shop is? I'm a little turned around. If you borrow a car, you might even ask if there's any tricks that you need to know. But never, never, ever ask a biker to show you where the clutch, the gas, and the brake are. Because they're the same on every bike. On the rare chance that something really is tricky, the owner will alert you to the variation. If you ask questions about how to ride the bike, then probably you, uh, they won't even let you ride it because you don't even know where anything is. You're providing them with the clues that you are not worthy to be on their wheels. Years later, I would be fooled by th this thinking when I visited some friends at a local church. They were bikers that did not currently own a motorcycle. It had been some time since they had ridden, and it was an absolutely gorgeous day. I let both of them ride around while I was meeting with some others. During my wandering from office to office, I met one of the interns again, a different intern than Micah. She was fairly petite and short hair, um, and she was a young lady who immediately struck up a conversation about the motorcycle and my riding. It was unusual to meet a younger person that knew so much about the brands, the engine sizes, the variations of models. She talked to me about the specific Harley she was going to purchase and why it was a perfect one for her needs. I asked what kind of ride she had and she replied she didn't currently have a bike. That was no problem to me, as my other friends did not have motorcycles, so they were borrowing mine. Well, why don't you take mine for a ride when, you, when we get back? I encouraged her. I only ride Harleys. I don't care for foreign bikes, she replied. Really? going to pass up a ride on such a nice day just because you only ride American? Yep. Well, that's stupid. Just give it a chance and you won't find that's much different, I said. Okay, but it won't be as nice as a Harley, she replied. I haven't encountered enough Harley riders to become familiar with this attitude, have learned to ignore it, and not take it as a personal slam. I'm positive that Harley dealers stick every owner with a needle full of brand loyalty. But on the parking lot, she started to ask me the same questions I had asked Micah several months earlier, or several summers earlier. Her confidence quickly dissipated as she straddled the seat, and so did mine. Seeing her awkwardness, I asked if she had actually ever ridden a motorcycle. My fears were confirmed. She had never been on a bike before, and I had already committed to letting her try out mine. There were a few tense minutes there that happened. If you're watching out the window, it would look like a father running beside a young child who was learning how to ride a pedal bike, holding onto the back until they could get going so fast and they could keep up. The real problem was that this bike could seriously hurt this little lady, even without moving. The weight alone could have crushed her legs if she leaned the wrong way. After going the length of a parking lot, once we uh, got back, I was holding her the whole time, of course. I gave her a high five and quickly escorted her off my bike. I recommend in the future uh, that she let uh, the owner of the bike know that she had never really ridden a bike before and that she should start on something just a little bit smaller. Well, Michael was not fooled by my confidence, as I was with that girl. He wanted to make sure I really knew where everything was.
This one has a quarter throttle, so you don't need to give it that much of a twist of your wrist. It will take off, the Aussie advised. Great, take off is just what I needed to hear. I went to the bathroom to ask forgiveness for my mother, who had not was not there, but I knew she would have spies out, and they would let her know I was riding a motorcycle. Back outside, my moment of truth came. I started the engine. It was already hot from his trip to my house. I slowly let out the clutch and gave it some gas and took off. I took off. Oh, yeah, I did. For a grand millimeter. And then killed it cold. In a perfect world, the gas in the clutch symbionically move in motion like a ballet dancer at the local fine arts center. But on my first journey, with miles of pavement ahead of me, I went a grand millimeter. I killed it at least four times more and did not move any further forward. In my world, four strikes means you're out. I always give myself some grace. So I got off, put the kickstand down, and declared with great theatrics, bikers are stupid. Micah wasn't affected by my arrogance and got on the bike with his flip-flops, ripped shorts, t-shirt, and no helmet, and took a rip around the block, and he popped Willie's rub it in that I was not nearly really ready to be a biker. To be honest, I was such a jerk that day to Micah. Deep down inside, I really wanted to ride that motorcycle and just couldn't because I didn't have the skills. So I took it out on him. I considered myself to be an encourager, but I was far from it that day. I wanted to put him down, and I acted just like people I can't stand to be around myself. There's a woman in the Bible who was probably seen in the same way that I saw Micah. To the normal eye, she didn't have it together, and she was shamed by those in her community. Her externals were not the norm for that day. But Jesus didn't bother with what others saw in her. He looked right at the heart. One day he was thirsty and went to the corner of town for a drink at the well. Nowadays, the local well is the pub downtown. But this was an actual well, a deep hole in the ground where buckets are lowered on a rope and the water is brought up to the surface. Jesus went to the well on the hottest part of the day with the, when the social outcasts went for their drinks. These outsiders wouldn't go in the morning when the people that seemingly had it all together came out. On this trip, Jesus encountered a lady and asked if she could help him draw up some water. To this request, she immediately protested and responded that Jesus should not be speaking with women of her nationality and her background. Everyone else in the community had pushed her aside, but Jesus didn't care about what everybody else thought. Jesus could have ignored her. Everyone would have been completely satisfied if he had been rude to her, but he would sit down and talk to her about her life and current situation in which she was living. Her life was not good, and she was making some bad, pretty poor decisions. But Jesus offered her something that no one else had offered her. Love, acceptance, forgiveness. Ultimately, he spoke to her about her immorality and needed for redemption. She accepted his eternal offer, and that interaction changed her life and ultimately the whole village. Up until that point, all she would have experienced from the religious leaders was completely different. They would have bashed anyone who was different and looked down on outsiders. It was very easy for them to see the negative in the people's lives and totally miss the good. I can imagine what the local leaders would have done if they had seen Micah on that hot day. Tattoos, earrings, rip shorts, flip-flops, pretty rough language, motorcycle. 
Fortunately, Jesus met Micah at the well, saw the good, and accentuated his positives. Soft-spoken, tender-hearted, acceptor of the outcast, hardcore biker. If I were honest with my evaluation of myself in relation to Micah, I have found that I did not accept who he was. I saw differences as reasons to not think highly of him. That year, I learned from Micah that other people's views of you should not dictate who you are. He was genuinely himself. He honestly assessed himself and learned to accept who he was. When he was heading back home several months later, he sold his motorcycle. Bought an old Ford Mustang that he was going to ship back to Australia and fix up. I've come to appreciate motorcycles, but I still I don't get old cars. Why would somebody buy something that doesn't work just for the challenge of fixing it up? Many years later, I would pick up an old motorcycle and do the same, but uh, that's a whole other book. At that point, I thought, these people are so weird. I guess I would have more growing up to do on this journey and seeing what Jesus sees in others. This motorcycle is helping me sure grow one millimeter at a time. Hey, thanks again for joining me for this audio version of Ride On. If you want to get this book yourself or even give it to a friend, you can check it out on Amazon. Just search for Joseph Fahlen, F-E-H-L-E-N, and you shall see it. If you have any questions or comments or just want to give me a shout out, you can email me at joseph at smalltownwanderer.com. Let me know what you thought of the book or even better, leave a review on Amazon. Until next time, ride on.